your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Mafia, what's going on? Mike Lindsley back with you. It is indeed the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you get us all over the social platforms, man. Subscribe to our YouTube page on Twitter at builtinbuffalo underscore the Facebook, the Instagram. It's all there for you. Seven days of content, audio, video, articles, builtinbuffalonews.com for terrific, terrific content uh, on this team that right now um, is is rolling at six and one, and this is going to be a really really cool show. Um, I'm going to kind of break down and recap the Bills' win over the Green Bay Packers this past Sunday night. Um, it was a, a, a solid win in some ways, and it was kind of a puzzling win in others. And then we're going to be joined by the amazing columnist Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post, the New York Sports Insider, to preview the Jets Bills game coming up this weekend. We're going to dabble into a little dabble and some Shane as well, our old friends from the Buffalo Bills, doing great things with the New York football giants, um, kind of what Mike has seen you know, through his lens uh, about that team. So uh, let's start, though, first of all, with uh, this terrific uh, uh, Buffalo Bills team so far this season. They beat Green Bay. And, you know, really, let's just get one th- a couple things really out of the way, right? Number one, I never thought that this game was in doubt. I didn't. Um, you know, the Bills were up big at, at halftime. Um, 24 to seven, uh, despite Green Bay getting that touchdown, you know, I, I just was not worried. In fact, going into the second half, I thought it was maybe going to turn into a blowout. Um, but Green Bay kind of played a, a weird game where they wanted to play keep away. They wanted to run the football against the bills. Um, Aaron Rodgers didn't really go out and try to win the game with his arm. In fact, Von Miller, you know, told the media after the game, um, you know, on NBC specifically, like I, I asked Aaron Rodgers, like, aren't you guys going to throw the ball? And they just ran and ran and ran with Jones and Dylan and all the rest. And it just seemed like Green Bay was content on, you know, trying to just run it down the throats of the Bills and then, you know, somehow getting some like miracle from the football gods uh, that they'd win the game. And, you know, they, they pulled obviously within, um, you know, they pulled within 10 points in the fourth quarter. Um, with that great drive, it was eight plays, 95 yards, and 333. But the problem was there was six and a half minutes left in the game. So they were down 10, but the game was, you know, tick-tocking down to to zero at, at that particular point because of the way they played the entire second half, especially um, in, in terms of the approach uh, with, with just running the ball. Um, you know, they get down there, Mason Crosby missed what, like I think a 55-yard field goal. And that was pretty much all she wrote. But I, I was never concerned um, in this game. I had just the utmost confidence that the Bills, you know, would take care of business. It was just kind of a weird game. Um, you know, the way they did it, the way they jumped out, you know, they get the they, they, they get a three and out to start the game, and then they uh, the defense locks down and they score a touchdown. Dawson Knox, a one-yard pass from Josh Allen, who – Really had an unbelievable first half. We'll get to his second half in a moment. But, you know, Allen was just making plays like he always does, man, with his legs, with his arm, um, you know, drawing the defense in and up. And, and you can just kind of tell that Josh Allen and Dawson Knox work on that play all the time in practice, right? I mean, they must. You can see it because Dawson Knox went out. He was supposed to kind of be a blocker. Josh Allen was directing towards him and pointing towards him. And remember, 
he had the, the game-winning touchdown in Kansas City, and Josh Allen was directing him all over Hell's Half Acre, you know, when he, uh, you know, when, when the safety bit one way, you know, towards Diggs, and, and then da- Dawson went and, and, and ran an out, uh, ran to the outside, and then kind of came in, you know, in the end zone, and, and Allen threw, I think, his best pass of his career. Um, that was just a ridiculous throw by Josh Allen. Well, this was kind of the same thing in a different way. I mean, it was only a, you know, one-yard pass, but Allen, you know, he, he rolled out and they came up and Allen kind of was like, okay, you're going to be my blocker. No, hey, if you're not going to be my blocker, be ready for it. They come up a little bit and then it's just that little flick, boom, touchdown. So the chemistry that he has with his players, with his teammates, it's mind-boggling how good it is. Allen and Dawson Knox, Allen and Stephon Diggs, you have Stephon Diggs. I mean, what a rope throw by Josh Allen, just a flick of the wrist type of a thing. Uh, again, Stephon Diggs, uh, four-play, 51-yard drive, 26-yard pass from Allen. Um, you know, Romeo Dubs caught that touchdown. Uh, it was a great throw by Rodgers. It was 14-7 to at that point. Was not worried. Bills come right back. Eight plays, 80 yards, 421. Isaiah McKenzie skips around to the left side and gets in the end zone, 21-7. And they add a Tyler Bass field goal at the end of the second quarter, which I thought the Bills were actually going to take it in the end zone, of course. And they, um, you know, they got they got a lot of a lot of defensive stops and, and they made some big time plays um, as far as the passing game was concerned. Um, and then, you know, in the third quarter. The Bills and the Packers, they each scored a field goal, right? I mean, Mason Crosby scored a field goal, and then Bass got one back, and it was a 17-point game going into the fourth quarter. You still felt really good, but the Bills could have been up by even more than that. I thought the Bills overall played about a B-minus game. Um, Josh Allen had a couple of, 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 of just really, really puzzling interceptions uh, in the second half. I mean, I, I have no idea what he was doing on those plays. You know, one was kind of, anticipating that somebody was going to be over the middle, maybe, maybe, but yet there wasn't someone there. And then the second one, he was, you know, he was quoted later on as saying, I'm just, you know, trying to dirt it. Well, uh, you're, you're in the red zone, you know, just throw the ball out of the back of the end zone. I mean, you've got the best arm in the NFL, just throw the ball away, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. I agree with the people out there like Tyler Dunn and others who say, you know, look, those things, you're not going to get away with those against very good to great teams in the playoffs, right? You can't have those plays. It's going to be all hands on tech. It's all about January at this point for the Bills. Now, yeah, they have to get through the regular season, but with a schedule upcoming, they got through the gauntlet, you know? I mean, they had the defending Super Bowl champions. They had multiple road games. They had to go at Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, right? I mean, they had to go at Miami, lost that game, of course. They had to go at Kansas City, right? They had the Packers at home. I mean, this is the gauntlet, and the gauntlet is gone. And the Bills played a 6-1 and campaign during these seven games and, of course, already have the bye week. And I'm here to tell you that the goal should be 14 wins at this point because I think 14 absolutely gets it done for home field advantage. I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs are going away anytime soon. I think the Chiefs have potential. They're coming off a bye week. I think they could go on a run. They could easily win 13 games. I think 14 gets it done like no questions asked. I think that's got to be the goal now. At Jets, home for Vikings, home for Browns, at Lions, at Pats, home for Jets, home for Dolphins, at Bears. Folks, I'm telling you right now, the Buffalo Bills, they need to win most, if not all, those games, right? And then you've got at Cincinnati and New England at home to close the year. The 14 wins is very realistic. They, they need to win 14 games, you know. And, you know, this Packer game, 
was really indicative of how this team can, you know, be really, really bad in certain areas, and then because they're they're great in other areas on that specific night or day, you know, they're going to come away with a win, and it's not going to be a question. You know, you're going to have a three-possession lead. It's going to get to 10. You're not really going to worry. You know, Green Bay, had they just maybe tried to do something more offensively, throwing the ball, I mean, even more screenplays, you know, out in, in, in the flat to like Aaron Jones, just kind of let him get in the open field, I think was a better option than just dwindling the clock down. I mean, it was almost like, hey, we're going to play keep away, but we're, we're losing by a lot. I mean, it's almost like in dodgeball, you know, you've got two guys left and, and you know, one guy, you know, is, is completely uh, oblivious to try and, you know, uh, be aggressive and catch a ball to get his teammates in there. He's just kind of running around dodging everything just for fun. I mean, that's kind of what Green Bay was. was. He was one of those dodgeball kids running around for fun instead of, like, actually trying to make an attempt to catch a ball to get one of his dodgeball partners in the game, right? Because Aaron Rodgers ain't playing dodgeball with the Buffalo Bills defense, okay, with those weapons, okay? They ran Aaron Jones. They ran A.J. Dillon. They had 208 yards of total uh, rushing, okay? But, 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 but the receiving core, good grief. I mean, Simone Torre, Tanyan, uh, uh, you got Christian Watson who ended up getting hurt. I mean, you had Romeo Dobbs. I mean, come on, man. This is a mar- – God, Sammy Watkins was not even close to a factor in this game. This offense is dreadful. But having said that, you have one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And you know what? Like, the best quarterbacks of all time still make other guys better. And we've talked about this a lot, all of us who work and cover the NFL. We've talked about it a lot. Aaron Rodgers didn't do enough in the preseason to work with his receivers and to grow people, and they didn't sign Devontae Adams. Did it have to do with Rodgers' personality? Did something clash there? I don't know. But the Packers are lacking big time in the weapon department, and now at 3-5, and five, the season could be getting away from them. The Bills took care of business. They had to do, you know, they did what they had to do. They picked off Rodgers once. You know, they played, for the most part, a pretty sound defensive game. Um, you know, I was really impressed with DeMar Hamlin. He was all around the ball. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds with his tackles. I know that he got blown up on multiple plays, but he's still right there leading the team, you know, in tackles. Um, a couple of great things happening here. Greg Rousseau playing the best football of his career for sure. Uh, with a sack, uh, Tim Settle had a sack. So the Bills did what they needed to do. I mean, even though they let up a lot of ground yardage, which was actually kind of puzzling, considering that, you know, didn't you kind of go into the game knowing that Jones and Dylan would be the two the two factors, right? The, the, the two main factors, establish the ground, and then maybe work play action off of that and, and attempt to throw it and get aggressive. The difference was the Packers ran it and then kept running it, you know, and they didn't have Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball that much to try and go win the football game. Um, but the Bills, you know what? I mean, gosh, they played like a B-minus game. Josh Allen had a great first half, an awful second half, and – you know, 13 to 25. I mean, he had 12 incompletions. We don't see that from Allen. We don't see two picks much from Allen. His QBR was 83.5. His rating was way down at 75.1. You know, he had six carries and 49 yards rushing. But the Bills won by 10 points, and they were up by 17 going into the fourth quarter. And it was like a B-minus performance that you still didn't feel like they were going to let the game slip away. Um, That can be a really, really good thing in October. But again, in January, Allen cannot throw those two interceptions because you got to score points in the red zone. you got to put teams away if you're up, and the Bills are going to face a couple of those situations 
uh, in the postseason, I'm sure, uh, and they're going to have to correct those. Uh, other positives in this game from a Buffalo Bills standpoint, before we bring on Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post to talk Jets week, uh, Devin Singletary, 14 carries, 67 yards. He's been terrific. He has established himself as a number one running back, no questions asked. I thought when the Bills were still in position in the beginning of the game, you know, when they were trying to get points on the board, important drives uh, to get out ahead, I thought James Cook actually stepped up very nicely. I mean, he had five carries for 35 yards. He caught that one ball, one uh, one catch for 41 yards, just a, just a dynamic play, again, by Josh Allen, where he, you know, kind of drew the defense a little bit and kind of flicked it over the top, and, and Cook caught it, and you can just see how fast the guy is. That was terrific. Isaiah McKenzie had kind of a nice comeback game as well. I mean, I know only two carries and two yards, but he did have a touchdown, um, you know, which is good to see. He only had one catch for eight yards uh, on the receiving side, but um, McKenzie was used as a weapon, as a key X-factor weapon in the red zone when the Packers were not expecting him, and he delivered. And I think that's great because, again, when McKenzie's playing and running jet sweeps and doing different things, although he does make me kind of crap my pants uh, when he has the ball on occasion, uh, whether it's returning a, a kick or catching a ball over the middle, Isaiah McKenzie is fast as hell, and Isaiah McKenzie can make things happen. And I thought it was good that he was used as an X-factor weapon in the red zone, and he delivered. That was still a big moment. Stephon Diggs is unstoppable. Um, you know, a lot of jaw with Jair Alexander, a lot of, lot of jaw with Razul Douglas. This guy is unstoppable. Six catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. He is on pace to just blow away all of his records single season. And I got news for you. I think Stephon Diggs right now, you could argue, is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I know that the Cooper Cup is out there, and I guess that they avoid a disaster with, with that situation where he was uh, you know, in the game and, and McVay, uh, boy, that could have been a catastrophic injury for him. Um, I know he's out there. I know Jamar Chase, when healthy, is out there. I know Justin Jefferson is out there. Devontae Adams, somehow the Raiders added him, and they're a worse football team. Adams is still pretty darn good. Uh, he was the best receiver in football for my money last year. This year it might be Stephon Diggs because there is no route this guy cannot run. I mean, you throw him out to the boundary, perfect. You throw him in the slot, perfect. Uh, you throw him as a decoy, perfect. Um, you know, you, you have him block a little bit and then kind of go out for the four or five yard, perfect. You can throw it to him long. You can throw it to him short. He can extend plays. Um, you know, extend the chains. Um, he's unstoppable. And Jair Alexander and Razul Douglas, that's as good as it gets for cover corners. It is. And he just, he was great. Stephon Diggs got open and did his thing. And I thought he could have actually had a lot more yards, um, you know, than he had. But uh, defensively, of course, yeah, absolutely impressed with, you know, DeMar Hamlin, Taron Johnson, Matt Milano keeps doing it. I mean, my goodness, Matt Milano, another interception. <laughs> you know, this guy's been an interception machine this year. Among other things, uh, he's playing the best football of his career. Again, just super, super impressed with Russo and Jackson. And we'll see uh, about the Jordan Poyer elbow situation. Um, you know, I, I thought the corners did a pretty good job as well. Von Miller was 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 back there frustrating the offensive line and Aaron Rodgers, of course. They had Battieri back as a left tackle. And it just, you know, he had a couple of plays where, where he kind of walled Von Miller. But it just didn't seem to matter. Um, you know, Jordan Phillips is out there throwing like swinging elbow haymakers to make tackles. Um, so there was a lot to like in this game, really. Um, you know, I'm not going to stress too bad about, you know, Gabe Davis only getting two catches and all the rest. I think, 
you know, the Bills, the way they established the ground game with 27 carries and 153 yards, uh, they had a really balanced attack in this game, and their star wide receiver was was unbelievable. Their star quarterback was unbelievable for at least one half. Uh, he's going to have to correct those mistakes in the second. Uh, the defense was spectacular again, like it has been all year, and it was never really in doubt. It just felt like the Bills could have won by 30 is what it boiled down to. And the Bills are showing right now, I mean, listen, we're here in November as you're listening to this. They're 3-0 and at home. They're 6-1 and overall. Like I said, 14 wins should be the goal, right, at, at this particular point. I don't think 13. I think I think they got to win more than 13 to secure the home field. You know what? Nobody wants to go into Buffalo right now. The crowd wasn't even that loud. I had, I have no idea. I had probably about 15, 20 of like my closest friends who went to that game. And they were sending me videos left and right. And I, I just did not, I didn't hear like the buff. I didn't hear like Bill's Mafia, like the crazy Bill's Mafia as the game was going on. It just didn't seem that loud, um, you know, for this football game. And um, the Bills still won. The Bills still had pretty good home field advantage. They were loud in the first half, I thought. But listen, nobody wants to go into Buffalo in October or November, let alone January. And they need to play themselves into that particular spot where, oh, people look at it and go, oh, we have to go into Buffalo. You get the first round by, it only takes two wins to get to the Super Bowl. This is absolutely where the Bills need to be and where they want to be. I mean, it's 6-1, and one, getting through the gauntlet, pretty, pretty great. I had them at 4-2 and two before the bye and 5-2 and two after the Packer game. You know, that that's about where I had it. Only because I thought that the competition was really, really good. And I thought also that, um, you know, the road games and and you just didn't know. And, you know, you don't have Trey White. And there were just some factors there, right? Um, NFL, it's hard to win week to week. Sean McDermott re- reminds his team of that every single time they win. So um, just an overall, you know, really, really sound game, um, you know, for the Bills. And like I said, you know, they're, gosh, if they play their A game, I mean, what are they unstoppable at this point on both sides of the ball? I mean, are they unstoppable? Because we know to win a Super Bowl, you got to have the elite quarterback. You've then got to have guys who can get after the elite quarterback, right? Bills check those two boxes with Josh Allen and Von Miller and company, right? And then you've got to have a defense that takes away the big play. And it appears as though, even though Poyer's been banged up and Micah Hyde's gone for the year, the safeties you know, are, are hanging in there with Jaquan Johnson and, and, and obviously DeMar Hamlin. Um, you know, again, we're going to have to monitor the Poyer situation. They definitely need to figure out a safety situation here, I think, uh, in the future, maybe in the draft or whatever. they got to pick some guys because this Poyer-Hyde thing is not going to last forever. I wouldn't be surprised if Micah Hyde called it quits. I mean, it's a neck injury. It's brutal. We saw what happened to Eric Wood. Um, you know, neck, head, all that stuff is super dangerous. I hope that's not the case. I hope he comes back. I hope he's strong. I hope we have Jordan Poyer back for even a couple more years. But you're starting to see why Brandon Bean hasn't given Jordan Poyer a contract and why he put his money into, you know, other people, why he gave Dawson Knox the money. You know, I, I'm telling you, the safety position right now, it, 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 the Jordan Poyer, Mike Hyde thing's been amazing to watch. It's been the best safety duo in the NFL. But it's now time to see if Hamlin and Johnson and others can can take over here. And they're not really deep at safety with Poyer not in there, right? There's not a lot behind Hamlin and 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 Johnson. So, uh, you know, but but they still are able to take away some big plays. The corners, the rookies, uh, have been uh, pretty solid this year. You know, uh, you've got a Dane Jackson who is is pretty solid. Um, so they've been able to take away the big play for the most part. Milano and Edmonds are playing the best football of their careers. Uh, like I said, the front guys are doing their thing with Von Miller 
and and Greg Russo and uh, you know Jordan Phillips and, and I think we could get a little bit more out of Ed Oliver. Uh, Tim Settle's been terrific. Boogie Basham has been active. Um, so they have a defense made to stop the big play and to get after the elite quarterbacks, a la Lamar Jackson, a la Patrick Mahomes, a la fill in the blank. Um, you know Joe Burrow, etc. Um, so the championship kind of recipe, the you know the pedigree and all the rest, it's there. All the boxes are checked for the Buffalo Bills. You got to get 14 wins at this point. You get 14 wins, you get home field, probably feel pretty good. You know, winning two games in Orchard Park to get to the Super Bowl. Um, again, I'd love to see him play an A game multiple times here in the coming weeks, right? Because they play an A game, they blow people out. Now it's funny because there are a lot of people who say, well, the Bills. All they remember the storyline for a long time was, oh, all all they all they do is blow teams out. They can't win close games. You know, and then they win a couple close games, you know, and then they have the bye week and then, you know, they're up three scores and then it's a 10 point game. And some people might've thought, oh, well, it's a little too close to comfort. Well, they won by 10. That's closer. You know, the Packers beat the spread, right? It's a little bit closer than 20, 23, 24, 30 points, right? Um, so the Bills have won both ways. Uh, so it is promising to see that you can play a B minus game and still win by 10 and be up by three possession, you know, three scores going into the fourth. But this is all a growing process into the point where, you do play an A game when the stakes are the highest. No question about it. Let's talk Bill's Jets week right now here on the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Uh, he is a friend of mine, uh, one of the great writers uh, in sports media, the terrific columnist for the New York Post. You can get him on Twitter, at Mike Vac. That's at Mike, V-A-C-C. Uh, terrific, terrific writer on the New York sports scene. And, uh, of course, nypost.com for all of his work. He's also a St. Bonaventure graduate, so, you know, you got you a little bit special uh, preference and treatment here on this program, of course. Uh, as everybody knows, I'm a uh, Bonaventure graduate and a, uh, just a psycho uh, for the basketball program. Mike Vaccaro, how are you, buddy? Good, Mike. How are you? I am wonderful. Jets, Bills, this weekend, do you give the Jets any kind of a chance? Um, it depends on what you mean by any kind of a chance, Mike. I mean, do they have a chance to actually, uh, you know, survive it to the end of the game without uh, major injury? Maybe. <laughs> uh, professional, professionally, from a football standpoint, I think they have zero shot. I mean, these are two teams in different places right now. I mean, the Bills are obviously um, as, as, as dominant a team as, as there is in the league right now. I realize the score wasn't necessarily reflected in the Packers game, but I don't think there was one second where anybody thought that game was in any doubt. And uh, look, I mean, the Jets—the Jets are a better team, and you know, they—they—they—they—I they, they, uh, don't mean, mean to disrespect them by saying that, but they're just not in a place where they can be competitive with the with the Bills right now on, on either side of the ball. Um, you know, I suppose they could always, and I think they probably will, try and shorten the game and maybe steal a page out of the uh, the old Giants playbook from the Giants Bills Super Bowl and try and you know, keep the ball away from from Josh Allen as much as possible. But of course, the problem with that is that is that the Bills defense. Is every bit as good as their offense yeah. in a lot of ways. So um, it, it's, it's going to be a very difficult task for the Jets. And look, I mean, Zach Wilson's coming off probably his worst game as a pro. If you, if you factor in the fact that he's now got 18 games behind him and he still threw three interceptions, you know, one that was more uh, embarrassing than the one before that. So it's it's going to be a tough day for the Jets, I think. Uh, but uh, look, I, I get it. You know, on any given Sunday, so that's in play. But uh, it, would, it would be stunning to me if the Jets were able to stay within three touchdowns of the Bills. I, I, I really believe that. What What are people supposed to think of Zach Wilson at this point? You know, I mean, gosh, multiple picks, three, I believe, against New England. And he, he's got 
once or twice you look, you go, whoa, whoa, look at that arm. Look at, and then it's all the turnover. So where are we at with this guy? Is it, is this the year they, they figure out what to do with him? What, where are we at with this dude? Well, I hope so. I mean, look, I mean, in fairness, I mean, they, they, they were four and oh with him as the quarterback this year until they ran into England until they ran into Zach kind of taking a few steps backwards. And, you know, one of the reasons why they were able to beat four and oh in those first four games under Zach is that he was, you know, he was making smart decisions. He had one interception in those four games. You know, he had one touchdown pass in those four games. And remarkably, that's the first time the Jets have had a three, have had a three game winning streak, the last three games of that streak. Since Joe Namath did it in 1968, we think of Joe Namath throwing the, throwing the ball in the sky with, with, with the footballs. But the fact is that Namath went through a similar problem that year of 68, which wound up being such a magical year for the Jets and for Namath. But he was throwing interceptions left and right through five against the Bills earlier in the year, through five against the Broncos. And it was after that game that basically, you know, his best friend on the team had to come up to him and say, Joe, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to carry the load. Just let us, let the rest of us you know, in on it too, and we can get through this thing together. And to Namath's credit, that's what he did. You know, the, the, they won four games in a row after that. He did throw a touchdown pass. And I think that that's exactly what Zach did uh, during the Jets' recent success. He didn't try and force things. If, you know, he lived, to, he lived to see another down, which is like his, what, what his coach likes to say. And look, I mean, I think that's the way he's got to be. I mean, the, the reality is his offensive line is banged up and it's not very good at this point. So he's going to be running for his life in a lot of plays, especially against you know, a great defensive team like the Bills. And yet, sometimes understand that that, that 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 the best the best option to play is to throw it, you know, into the stands. And he's got to do that. I know it's frustrating. He said it's frustrating. He said time and again, it's frustrating to to just throw the ball away. But sometimes that's what you have to do. So, how do you see the rest of this AFC East playing out? I mean, clearly the Bills are the class of the division. We know that. And then you have the other three, so to speak. It used to be the Patriots, and then the other three. Now it's the Bills and the other three. They just have to get to the Super Bowl uh, mountaintop, as we know. But the other clubs in the mix here, Miami, the Jets, the Patriots are now 500. Oh, by the way, the Broncos just unloaded Bradley Chubb for a package deal um, that includes a first-round pick, sending him to the Miami Dolphins. So that adds intrigue to the division. Where do you see this mess of these three teams kind of uh, – how do you see it playing out? Yeah, you know, it's funny. If the, if, if the Bills you know, were playing in the AFC Central and the other three were left to their own devices, you would say it's the most competitive division in, probably in football because they're all very evenly matched. Um, look, I think I think the Dolphins made a, made a real statement today by picking up Chubb, and I think that's that's a great thing for them. Um, I don't know that it necessarily changes their season much. I mean, I think they'll be better and they'll be tougher. Um, but, you know, as, as far as the Patriots go, I mean, they they, they – they, they, you know, they, they have some, some messiness in quarterback also. It's just, this week wasn't as messy as the Jets, which is the reason why they won the game. And look, the Jets have a terrific defense. And against most teams, they can be competitive uh, by, by, by just being conservative on offense and relying on the running game and, you know, and, and, and trying to pick pick their spots for Zach Wilson. Um, so I, mean, I think all three of those, those, those teams, if you ask me who's going to finish second, I think any one of those three teams could. But obviously none of those three can come, you know, probably – at this point in the season, could, could probably come within 10 points of the Bills no matter where they play the game. That's how good the Bills are, and that's that's the reality of the AFC East right now. It's the reality. It's what, the, what the reality was, like you said, for many years, only you know substitute the Patriots for the Bills. Everybody else was playing for second place, and that's happening now. It's just that now you got a new team on that's the king of the mountaintop right now. Mike Vaccaro, New York Post, uh, talking Bills Jets here on the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. A couple more for you, Mike. Um, if, if someone were to have been dropped down from outer space 
and wanted to start watching football and they chose, oh, I heard about this Josh Allen guy. How would you describe Josh Allen to, to someone who has never seen him play before? Uh, freakish and different than anything you've probably ever seen before. Um, which sounds amazing when you consider the NFL has been in business since 1919 or 1920. But the fact is that, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, yes, we've had quarterbacks who can, who have a strong arm and who can run. I don't know. We've had quarterbacks who have that strong an arm and are that skilled a runner where, I mean, they, he, he, he polarizes tacklers. He jumps over them. Um, he's, he just does things that you just have never seen quarterbacks do before. You know, Lamar Jackson's a wonderful quarterback, but I mean, you know, he's, he, it's his capability when he runs that I think is, is, is most impressive in his athleticism. Um, but, you know, he can't, he can't do things when he's running the ball that, that Josh Allen can. And, you know, I don't think anybody's got the arm this guy does. And, he, and, and you know, the, the, the irony is that when he was coming out of Wyoming, there was concerns that he was maybe not going to be a very accurate quarterback. And yet it just seems to me that he has 10, 12 balls a game where you're like, how in the world did a human being make that throw? <laughs> Um, so that's, you know, I, and look, I mean, it, I, I realize that I'm, it almost feels like I'm, like I'm setting him up for the all time, you know, mush jinx or something. Um, and, you know, gosh, you know, I, I certainly hope that as, as often as he runs the ball, that he doesn't run into what I think every Bills fan fears, which is, you know, he'll run into the wrong tackler, you know, make the wrong fall off on a hit. And, you know, that, that's unthinkable right now. But, but at this point, I mean, there, there's nothing he can't do. And, you know, look, I mean, there was a time at the, the, the peak of the Bills' last period of dominance when you really thought that Jim Kelly could do it all, but Jim Kelly could do it all with his arm. <laughs> I mean, he was never going to escape the pocket. This is a whole different dimension that gives the Bills a whole different dimension than just about any other team. I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes, I love watching Patrick Mahomes play, and until Josh Allen came along, I thought that there was going to be nothing better in life than to watch Patrick Mahomes play quarterback. It's still kind of fun, and he's still a very good runner, but he's also a different kind of runner. Yeah. I mean, he'll get you a first down when he's flush out of the pocket, but he's not going to be a primary weapon with the ball in his hands the way that, you know, running the ball the way that Josh Allen is. It's just they're just there's, I can't think of another, another guy like that. I just can't. I mean, you know, he, he is what I think everybody always fantasized that Tim Tebow could be if Tebow was any good. But <laughs> But he wasn't nearly that good. I mean, well, he was in college, but even in college, I mean, he wasn't that dominant uh, playing the position. And it's just it's just remarkable. It really is. I mean, every time I watch him, I mean, he does something that takes my breath away. Yeah, I love watching him play. There's no doubt. He's my favorite player in the NFL. Um, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, now with the Giants. There's been a complete change. I mean, culture, they're winning. Uh, it's almost like they pull you know you out from you know with with your your collar and just drag you out there and say okay let's go bare knuckles here and and you know they make a key play or something happens they get a turnover or whatever in the fourth quarter they win some kind of a wild battle they get a special teams uh, a gaff from the other to whatever happens because they don't have I don't think a, a ton of talent on the team they it's a lot of the same roster as last year I know Saquon Barkley's healthy and he's been running well. But hey, other than the Seattle loss this past week, and this this Giants team, I mean, th this is completely out of nowhere here. Um, what have you seen out of this team that makes you believe that they could be sustainable here? Well, for one thing, I think that uh, Dable has maximized Daniel Jones, and you know, I think there's a lot of questions about Daniel Jones's, you know, just his mere competence as a quarterback before the season. I think he's he's, he's done more than than, than than confirm that he can play. But, you know, you know, he didn't play great against Seattle, but he's had a terrific year. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's fair to compare anybody to Josh Allen, but, you know, if there's one, buddy that, there's one quarterback you would say is a poor man's Josh Allen, 
I'd say it's Daniel Jones. And part of that, I guess, is the offense he's in because he's asked to, he's asked to do some of his other things. But he really, you know, he, when he's healthy, he has the ball in his hands, but he's running. He's a definite weapon. You know, he's a second, great secondary weapon to Saquon. And he's a very accurate passer. You know, he's not Josh Allen. I mean, let me reemphasize that, 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 that they're in different ballparks right now. But his skill sets mimic what Josh Allen's are. And that's helped the Giants to be, look, I mean, they, they do. They have, they, have, they have a real dearth of talent, both sides of the ball. But, they, but, they're, but they're coached up every week. And they have an attitude now where they believe good things are going to happen to them. Whereas the last seven, eight years, you know, one bad thing happened and all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the game collapsed on him. That's why it's like, you know, in, in the last couple of years, if they lost the game, they lost in Seattle. You could say, all right, here we go. Here comes, here comes four, five, six, seven losses in a row. I, I, I'm a hundred percent confident that, that, that the entire team had brushed off that loss by the time the team playing reached Nebraska on the way home. Um, Cause they, they, I think they understand that in the NFL, you're going to lose five, six, seven games. Even a lot of playoff teams are going to lose that many games. So, you know, one loss doesn't have to define who you are. doesn't have to define your season. They've got two very winnable games at home coming up in the next couple of weeks against the Texans and against the Lions. Then the schedule stiffens and you play a lot of the, the NFC East teams they've avoided so far. So we'll probably see about that. But you know what? There's a very good chance that, 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 that they could be and they really should be 8-2 after 10 weeks, after 10 games. And if you're 8-2, you know, let's see what you got from there. Because you, you didn't win those eight games in the lottery. And, uh, you know, we, we use the term culture way too often, but there is a definite culture change with this team. You can see it. You can see it organizationally wide, but you can also see on the team. And the two guys are responsible for that are the two guys that they brought in from Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, front office and coaching, they matter so much in the NFL. And when you don't have an elite quarterback but a serviceable guy, putting a little bit more around him, health of the roster and all that, fine. But, goodness, Brian Dable, Wink Martindale, Joe Shane – uh, things are different and uh, certainly coming out of nowhere uh, for, for pretty much everybody. I don't think anybody had the Giants uh, where they are right now. Go get his work. Know, I mean, Gable really sort of set a tone that very first yeah. week yep. when he went for the two-point conversion. Yes, yes, good point. You know, yes. In Tennessee yes. against a team that was the number one seed in the AFC last year, and he said, we're going to win the game, damn it. And yep. they did, yep. you know, yep. and, and, yep. that, and, and that, that team has responded not only in that small sample but across. You can just see that, that's, that that really – it's something they've been able to feed on the rest of the, the rest of the time so far. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that one up. You can get his work at nypost.com, the fantastic New York Post sports columnist, New York Sports Insider, at Mike Vac on Twitter. Go give him a follow. That's at Mike V-A-C-C. Mike, we're not that far away from the Bonnies. It's going to be an interesting year, fascinating with all the new players. College basketball with the transfer portal is wild now, but I'm looking forward to seeing this new group. I know you and I will be exchanging a bunch of texts and tweets over the course of the season. Can't wait to see some of the stuff that you write on the Bonnies, and thanks for coming on and, and talking a little Bills Jets here. Anytime, Mike. It's always great talking to you. Thanks so much. 